Hello. Hello. to Three Stooges Throwback, the comprehensive encyclopedic compendium of all things Three Stooges. From woman haters to sappy bullfighters, from Curly to Shemp, and even to Joe. I am your host, Gabriel Russo, and I'm looking at all 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the Three Stooges comedy team. Hello and welcome back once again to the Three Stooges Throwback Podcast. I am still your host, Gabriel Russo, and we are still going over the 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the comedy team, The Three Stooges. This is episode 38. We are covering the short, A Ducking They Did Go. First things first, I use Wikipedia, IMDB, and threestooges.net to find the little tidbits for the episodes. I usually watch them on Daily Motion or YouTube. But now I am regularly watching them from the Three Stooges account on YouTube. The Three Stooges, all one word. They're all in 1080p. They look better than they did back in the day. I've read almost every book on the boys, and I use my own brain to formulate opinions on the shorts, and I regurgitate the opinions of others. But I am not an expert on the Three Stooges. I am just a knowledgeable fan. I'm sure I make mistakes. I leave things out. But it's fine. Everything will be okay. With that said, let's get on with the show. A Ducking They Did Go comes in with a runtime of 16 minutes and 17 seconds. It was shot over four days, November 15th, 1938 to November 18th, 1938, and was released on Friday, April the 7th, 1939. So four months. Curly, Larry, and Moe are your Three Stooges. Produced by Jules White, directed by Del Lord. Familiar names. Story and screenplay by Andrew Benison. He was a writer and director. Between 1923 and 42, he wrote 40 films. He passed in 1942. Cy Shindell is the produce delivery man. He's been covered. Remember, he was a boxer and a debt collector for mobster Mickey Cohen, among other nicer things. (laughs) Charlie Phillips is the cop who's hit by the watermelon. William Irving is listed on IMDb. Um, Since I'm not sure, we'll talk about both of them. Charlie Phillips was in 43 movies. He has 24 Stooge credits, but really no other info online. ThreeStooges.net lists him as the, as, uh, the cop in this short. William Irving, on the other hand, has 237 credits. He's listed on IMDb as being in this short. He died on Christmas Day, 1943. I wish there was more, but there isn't. Linton Brent is Blackie. He was in 240 films from 1930 to 1950. He's best known for his prolific work here with the Stooges. He was a writer as well, and uh, this is a little adult here, so be warned. He wrote a book called Lesbian Gang and many other paperbacks uh, back in the day called Sleaze Books. He wrote um, The Birdcage, which at first I thought was the same movie w- that Robin Williams starred in years ago, but it was not. It was, uh, but most of his output had a gay or lesbian theme. 
The Birdcage is about the Birdcage Theater in Tombstone, Arizona. What's his name? Linton Brent. He has a niche following in Peckham, England. Um, <laughs> why and how? Actually, it's for his book, uh, Lesbian Gang. There's a niche following for his... Uh, anyway, I didn't delve too deep. Jack Gardner is Doyle with 278 credits to his name. He passed away in 1977 in Houston. Vernon Dent shows up as the vegetarian. His third wife was named Hortense. Almost everything else that I've, you know, has been said, really. Although I'll find some, some other stuff for the future. Lane Chandler, he's one of the policemen outside of the station. He was a favorite of Cecil B. DeMille and was in a bunch of his films. But they were all tiny parts, but Chandler said they were his favorite roles. He tested for the role of the monster in House of Frankenstein, 1944, but he didn't get it. We've got Victor Travers as the other policeman outside. He also went by Victor Travis. There's next to nothing online about him, really. It's the same for a lot of these folks. Almost nothing, or a few sentences, or, you know. Bud Jameson as the chief. He's been covered m many times, obviously. His distinctive O was used as a sound effect for by Columbia Shorts for whenever someone would take a bump. You know, or fall down or what have you. They just, uh, they put it, they recorded his O and they used it in various shorts. We've got Chuck Callahan as the mayor. There's a bunch of people, bunch of, uh, folks in this short. Chuck Callahan as the mayor. He was an actor and writer who had 14 acting credits and 10 writing credits. He and his brother Bob were in a vaudeville act called Bob and Chuck Callahan. <laughs> I'm not sure what they did. James Milliken is a duck hunter in this one. 192 credits for James, mostly cowboy roles. He had a very distinctive voice, which many thought he should use for voiceover work, but he didn't. He was in two Best Picture winners, uh, You Can't Take It With You in 1938 and The Lost Weekend in 1945. And he was in four Best Picture nominees. He passed away Thanksgiving Day 1955 and had three films posthumously released. Boy, they used to stack them up back in the day. They, you know, they work so much. Jack Hill is a duck hunter in this one. He had 102 credits. He worked mainly at Hal Roach Studios, and was in a bunch of Laurel and Hart, was in a bunch of Laurel and Hardy comedies. Victor uh, Travers, he shows up again for a second role in this one as a duck hunter. John Rand, he's the duck farmer. He had 86 credits to his name. He was a former circus clown who Charlie Chaplin used frequently. They uh, often played comic cops or waiters. And then bringing up the rear here, rounding out the cast, is Sam Lufkin. Sheriff Sam, 179 credits. Much of his career was also at Hal Roach Studios. He is called a grim-faced small part actor online. <laughs> grim-faced small part actor. And was in a bunch of uh, Laurel and Hardy pictures as well. So we begin with the boys walking dejectedly down the sidewalk, talking about how hungry they are and how their feet hurt. Curly says he's so hungry he could eat a skunk raw. <laughs> they see a truck full of watermelons. 
and a banquet, and they huddle up. They get down in football stances and conk into each other. Mo makes him do it again, and Curly is still left in the back hiking the, you know, the imaginary football. Mo steals a watermelon, but he is seen by Cy Shindell. Mo passes it to Larry, and a cop comes up behind Curly, and as Larry throws the melon to him, the melon goes through Curly's hand and hits the cop. Doesn't really look like er- William Irving. I looked on, looked at pictures, so I think it is Charlie Phillips, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, well, I guess it matters, but. Anyway, the boys run away. The cop slips into Melon and falls. We get a slide sound effect. It's, uh, we did that in the last episode too. They, they got a, uh, screeching brake sound effect. That's noticeable since there really aren't that many. So, Sai says, they stole my melon. The boys run inside a building and, uh, they see a help wanted sign. The Canvas Back Duck Club, Blackie and Doyle Developers. Mo says, are you guys salesmen? Before they answer, he says, that's fine. We got a job. And in they go. <laughs> Your troubles are over, Mo says. Larry says, we are three of the best salesmen ever to sail. And Curly wants to uh, steal the eggs that are sitting there. They've got a little, I don't know why they have eggs. Got a little stand with like a make-believe, you know, a little, and there's eggs there. So Linton Brent and Jack Gardner, they are Blackie and Doyle. He says, uh, you boys ever sold anything? And Curly says, anything we can get our hands on. <laughs> he said, sold, not stole. Curly says, oh, I misunderstood. Pardon me. And tips his hat a little. It's pretty funny. Canvas back. Curly says that was his nickname when he was a fighter. <laughs> I used to stand like this with his fists out like, with his fists out like he's boxing, but not for long. <laughs> and then my footwork and he starts dancing around. Curly's great. They swindle the boys into selling memberships to this duck club, this hunt club, the canvas back duck club. Yeah. So they swindle the boys, like I said, into selling memberships. They'll get 10% of every $50 membership that they sell. And Curly says, oh boy, $3. <laughs> they say every man is a hunter inside. Appeal to the primitive in them and you can't go wrong. <laughs> he shakes their hands as he's hiring them. And uh, Curly smashes an egg in his hand because he had stolen one of the eggs. He sheepishly kind of puts the second egg back, and he waves and tips his hat. He starts to say something, and then he just decides not to, and he brushes the guy's suit. <laughs> and just, uh, I thought it was a great little bit. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't say anything. <laughs> so cut to the boys. They are starting to sell. Larry's got a pith helmet with a sandwich board sign. Curly's in a fox hunt outfit with a wooden duck on wheels, like pulling it along. And Mo has a shotgun. They're just walking around in this building. Curly says, every red-blooded American is a potentate hunter. There's one in every office. <laughs> Eye pokes are given out by Mo, but Curly blocks his and uh, gets slapped. And Mo says, remember, ducks is ducks and cash is king. And Curly says, and never the twain shall meet. <laughs> Mo chases him off and Curly says, don't do that. Brandishing his gun at him. To as Mo is or Mo is brandishing his gun at him, and Curly's like, "Don't do that." Curly runs into their boss's office, and uh, he tries to sell them a membership. He says, "Your face looks familiar, but I don't know where to put it." <laughs> Back in the hallway, Mo and Larry are trying to sell to Vernon Dent, who has walked out of a unfortunately walked into the hallway. But Larry turns him around, and his jacket rips. They end up ripping it off him altogether. He says, "I'm a vegetarian," and he walks away. And Mo grabs at him as he walks through the door and ends up with his pants. So we don't see him. He, we just know he's pantsless with a torn up jacket. 
the three of them run around now calling duck hunters, duck hunters this way, back and forth. That's, you know, all around the, the hall. <laughs> Curly blows a duck call and Mo almost shoots him. So they run outside now. Mo says a customer, but it turns out to be the cop that they hit with the melon. They run and he fires his gun in the air and hits a light which falls on his head. They are uh, forced to hide in the police station. They run inside the police station. Mo yells at Larry for hitting the cop in the first place. He slaps him and says, shut up. Larry says, I didn't say nothing. Mo says, well, that's what you were thinking. That's for what you were thinking. And he looks at Curly, and Curly just smiles and says, my mind is a blank. <laughs> They're surrounded by cops now, obviously. It's the police station. They're scared. They cut to, uh, we cut to Bud Jameson as the chief. He's on the phone saying he doesn't want to be disturbed by anyone, only the mayor. And the boys burst into his office, and they're giving him the hard sell on the, uh, you know, on the memberships. Picture this, you know, and all. He's, he's taken in. They duck behind his desk, and they're pretending to shoot ducks. And uh, Bud has a rifle now. The mayor comes in, and he's watching this scene. Bud shoots at the lead duck in the air that they're that they're imagining, you know, and it takes the mayor's hairpiece off. He he screams, which is a pretty funny scream too. The boys take off their hats and salute the mayor, which is a good little bit. We cut to Blackie and Doyle talking. Uh, the boys have sold all the memberships and are on their way back. And uh, Blackie and Do Blackie and Doyle can take the dough and split, but we hear sirens in the distance. The boys come in with stacks of cash. They really did sell them all to the police force, <laughs> even the chief, the mayor, and they're seeing the governor tonight, and Blackie and Doyle are freaking out. And the boys ask for an IOU for their commission, which he signs, but he keeps the IOU. And Curly says, hey, you can't get away with that. And Mo takes his pencil back. He <laughs> To the hunt, to the hunt, etc. They're calling out. We cut to the hunt club, and the boys are uh, singing harmony with the chief and the mayor. They really sound good. Um, you know, Jameson could sing, and so could the Stooges. And we learned last episode that Mo was really proud of the singing that they did do with uh, Bud Jameson. They did a barbershop. They used to sing barbershop quartet stuff. So if they don't shoot the limit of ducks, their money will be refunded. And there's a knock at the door, and they think it's Blackie and Doyle with their money. But a guy comes in instead with a lantern. Curly says, "Oh, Paul Revere." He laughs at them and says, there haven't been any ducks around here in years and years. And the cops threaten them. Like, what do you mean? You know, you better, there better be ducks. And the boys go outside to see about getting some ducks. Curly calls him chiefy old kid. Calm down, chiefy old kid. Mo tells Curly, you better go get some ducks. And Curly gets all sullen, but he goes. Mo and Larry grab all the uh, decoys that they have stashed around, you know. And we cut to hunting. Mo blows the, the duck call. And Larry catapults a decoy into the air. Bud claims to have shot one, but the mayor takes credit, of course. They have these rubber decoys, too, and they're blowing them up like little balloons, you know. Mo's blowing one up, and it squeaks, and he pokes it in the eyes. It's funny. The cops realize something is up with these ducks. <laughs> uh, Mo and Larry sneak off. And Curly walks by. He's leading a whole bunch of ducks to the pond. You heard of the pie-eyed piper of Hamlin, right? Yeah, I figured if he could pipe rats pie-eyed, then I could pipe dope ducks sober. <laughs> the cops just uh, open fire on the ducks swimming in the pond, which is rough. The boys get in a boat, and they go get some ducks of their own. Uh, Curly accidentally shoots a hole in the boat, and Larry says, I'll fix it, and he shoots a hole in the other side of the boat. 
Mo says, what's the idea of doing that? <laughs> Larry says, well, it's another hole so the water could go out. <laughs> Mo goes to hit Larry and knocks Curly in the water. He yells at him for swimming. Curly flips the boat trying to get in and he swims off by himself. He sees a duck and shoots, but water comes out of his rifle. And then the duck keeps going under the water and it's bedeviling Curly, you know. Every time it comes up, it spits water at him. And then it ducks back under. And so uh, he he barks at it a few times and then dives under the water. Mo has a duck on his back as he is sneaking along. Larry sees it and shoots at him, hitting Mo in the butt, of course. Larry says, I almost got him, didn't I? <laughs> they see the one in the pond and they both shoot at it. Curly surfaces and he has a duck on his head. He says, watch where you're shooting. He points his own rifle at the duck on his head and shoots himself in the scalp. <laughs> Uh, the old man comes back leading the sheriff. He points to the cops who have a huge haul of ducks, you know, like they've shot all these ducks. The boys come over and the old man blames them for stealing his ducks. Hey, they're five dollars a piece. <laughs> the boys run off because Curly has gone and stolen all those ducks. He came back with all, you know. So the boys run with the, uh, run off with the cops shooting shotguns at them and they jump into a hedge and they come out riding cows who buck and kick. And ride off into the distance. The end. <laughs> that ending scene of them with the cows uh, is reused from 1936 as a pain in the Pullman. This one gets an 8.57 on threestooges.net. And I'll go, I'm fine with 8.5. That's my, I'll give it that. This was a funny short. It had some really good curly bits. It is a, it's a little all over the place though, but you know. It's like they tried to cram a whole bunch of stuff in, you know. Uh, the song that the police and the boys are singing is called You'll Never Know Just What Tears Are. And it was written by Ted Healy, the boy's old boss. Um, they were, what, Ted Healy and his stooges. They were Ted Healy and his, um, I can't even remember. There are three or four different names. I was just reading about Ted Healy last night and his... Son, I was seeing if there were any living relatives, and there are not. So when the police officer is chasing the boys down the street, you can briefly see the Hollywoodland sign in the, in the background. It becomes just Hollywood in 1949. They take the land away. On the newsstand is Time Magazine's November 14th, 1938 issue. Just some, you know, little tidbit. Most of the fan reviews call this one good, but not great. It is uneven, but then it's an 8.5. So, I mean, you know, Curly, uh, the scene with Curly trying to shoot the duck in the water, I think, and getting sprayed goes on a bit long. But who am I to complain? Anyhow, I guess that is it. Some of the episodes have more information behind the scenes info than others. Um, I may have to start using other um, avenues to delve into some of these so I can have a little bit more, so I'm not just recapping the episode and I'm, you know, giving a little bit more info. Anyhow, I guess that's going to do it for this one. Bring it to a close. Tune in next time when we will look at the next short. Yes, we have no bonanza. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the nice messages about the podcast. Go to anchor.fm if you want to make a podcast of your own. It's a great free site. Takes all the guesswork out of podcasting. Please rate and review the show if you like it. It really, really helps trying to build the listenership up. It's kind of a limited, there's fewer and fewer people into the Three Stooges. 
Anyhow, if you're not a fan, you know, you don't have to leave a bad review, just leave it alone. I, once again, have been your host and your chief knucklehead, Gabriel Russo. We're broadcasting from Stood Studios at the back of the house with my new microphone. See you next time. Bye.